It's time for Herd Mentality, the weekly episode where you control the discussion today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. I want to thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, and a big welcome and shout-out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, I appreciate y'all being here very, very much. I'd also like to invite you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Well, folks, it's time for Herd Mentality. You know the drill here. You guys sent in some outstanding questions. I'm going to respond to them here. On the podcast, we're going to cover a lot of different things. One note, I am recording this on Tuesday afternoon before Sean McDermott meets with the media. So if there's some questions in here about injuries and uh, it doesn't align with something that Sean McDermott says, just know that I haven't heard that press conference prior to recording this episode. Let's get into it. The first one is from Tommy and another one sent in by Justin. I want to combine these two questions because they're pretty similar, but they do approach it from a different angle. Tommy says, what is our path to defeating Kansas City with a completely decimated defensive backfield and two-day rest advantage? Justin says, I know it's early, but the injuries are worrisome for Kansas City next week. No idea who will play and who won't. How would you defend the middle of the field or what would you do defensively if we are going to be without Terrell Bernard, Taron Johnson, Balin Spector. God only knows if we get Rasul Douglas or Christian Benford back. Hate these injuries going into the biggest game of the year. All right, so let's talk about some of this. Let's first talk about the rest discrepancy, right? The Kansas City Chiefs played on Saturday. The Bills played on Monday. They have a two-day rest advantage. That's obviously an advantage for them. Kansas City, since 2018, when Patrick Mahomes became their starting quarterback, have a record of 21-6 and with a rest advantage, which is the third-best win percentage in the NFL over that span. So 21-6 and with a rest advantage, third-best in the league. The Bills since 2018, when Josh Allen became the starting quarterback, are 11-6 and with a rest disadvantage, which is third-best in the NFL uh, over that over that span. So you have a, a team that's very good with the rest advantage and another team that's very good with a rest disadvantage. Something has to give. I do like that the Bills are at home for this game. That certainly helps. Now, what doesn't help is the amount of injuries they sustained on Monday against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you mentioned a lot of the players. Who knows, right? Who knows who's going to be available, who's not going to be available. But the bottom line is they're probably going to be without at least one or two players that you wish you had. And my goodness, it's not ideal to be without potentially a player like Terrell Bernard at linebacker or a all-pro slot corner like Taron Johnson or Rasul Douglas and the impact that he can make, right? So who knows who's going to be available? But this is what I'll say. 
The injuries that the Bills do have are at linebacker and at corner. Their defensive line is completely healthy, and their offense is completely healthy. Those two units or position groups, right? The offensive unit, the defensive line is a position group, have to be big, right? They, those are the two components of your team you have to be able to lean on. Josh Allen's going to have to have himself a day, and you need that disruption from the defensive line. And as it pertains to the middle of the field, the Bills have generally been pretty strong at playing with inside leverage and forcing throws more towards the numbers and the sideline. I think uh, their matchups against the Miami Dolphins kind of really help in that capacity. And even against the Patriots and Jets, where they face some, some minimal tools quarterbacks throughout the years, and you try to force them into harder throws for them and lower percentage throws, you funnel some things outside the numbers. And I think you can replicate some of that against Kansas City. Not that Patrick Mahomes is limited. He can make any throw in the world. But if you're talking about, all right, you're concerned about the middle of the field, well, you can play with certain technique that makes it less appealing to throw there and push more throws outside the numbers, which typically are lower percentage. So I think that's what you're mindful of. But it's going to come down to the defensive line and that cage rush. Last time against Kansas City, the Bills were willing to send some five-man pressures. And not that the objective was to sack Patrick Mahomes a million times. He's hard to sack. But if you can contain him and can compress around him, it forces him to play more within structure and less uh, extending plays and really where he can really cause a lot of damage. I think they're going to have to incorporate a lot of those principles once again. Next one here comes from Craig. Craig says, when the opposing defense sends the house with zero blitz, is a hot receiver responsible for recognizing this and adjusting his route, or is this something that Josh needs to alert pre-snap so the receivers know what may be coming? I noticed that when Josh struggles against an all-out blitz, he often has no hot receiver. When he does, he's pretty good at getting the ball out quickly with success. There are some examples of this against Miami in the All-22, including the interception to Gabe Davis. So, yeah, there's some good and some bad here from Josh Allen and the Bills' offense, right? I don't want to make about Josh Allen. It's a Bills' offense thing uh, against the Blitz recently um, where it's been good and bad. And the, the reality is everyone has to be on the same page. Josh Allen has to be able to identify and see the pressure, the offensive line, and protection has to pick it up. And then the receivers, there's at least probably one or two receivers that need to make an adjustment to make themselves available to to beat the blitz, right? It's if any one of those if any one of those things don't happen, the play can be doomed and it looks it just looks ugly. And so there's been times this year where I feel like Josh maybe didn't see something pre-snap that he should have. There's been time when the protection didn't adjust. There's been time when the receivers didn't adjust. And I think it's not any one thing, but it, it's one of those things at different times. Now here's what I will say. Against the Blitz, Josh Allen's had some really good results of late. And he's coming up. Two really bad games against the Blitz were Dallas and New England. Against Dallas, he was 2 of 7 against the Blitz. Against New England, he was 2 of 10 against the Blitz. But then the next two games against Miami and Pittsburgh, he was phenomenal. Miami, 11 of 16, 185 yards. That's 11.6 yards per attempt with a touchdown. And, of course, the one interception that was referenced in the question to Gabe Davis. Against Pittsburgh, he was 11 of 16 for 119 yards, two touchdowns throwing plus the touchdown run. So they've they've had some good answers here the last two weeks after having some issues in the previous two. And so there's been some mixed results this season against Kansas City. 
Josh was 11 of 17 for 119 yards and a touchdown against the Blitz. So some good and some bad. I like how it's looked the last two weeks in particular and how it looked against Kansas City. You know, what was that, five, six, seven weeks ago, whenever that was. So it takes everyone being on the same page, and there's been a mixed bag of results. The next one here comes from Patrick. This could be the most important question I've ever answered in the history of herd mentality. Patrick says, what was Josh Allen's top speed on the 52-yard touchdown run, and was it pound-for-pound faster than an actual Buffalo? So, folks, I did the research, and it's time to share the results. So Josh Allen, at 245 pounds, reached a top speed of 19.33 miles per hour on his 52-yard touchdown run against the Pittsburgh Steelers. An actual bison, or a buffalo, and bison, right? I think that's what we're looking for here. A bison, a buffalo is not really, it's not a bison, right? I'm not getting into that right now. We'll just, we'll just go into the bisons here. The average male bison weighs between 1,000 and 2,200 pounds. So either that's the range, right? 1,000 pounds to 2,200 pounds. So the middle of that is 1,600 pounds. They can reach a speed of 35 to 40 miles per hour. They also have a vertical jump of six feet. An actual bison is an incredible athlete, and I had no idea until I researched this, courtesy of the question of Patrick. Now, here's where the real information comes. And one thing that I'm not is a math guy. I don't do math. I struggle with math. My brother, Frank, however, loves math. Don't know why. Math is terrible, but he loves it. So I reached out to him, and I gave him the data. I said, Frank, help me out here, man. What's the deal? What can I say to the listeners of Locked On Bills about the size-adjusted relative speed of Josh Allen versus an actual bison. And so this is what my brother said, and this is a quote because I am not taking credit for any of what is about to come out of my mouth. This comes from my brother, Frank. He said, okay, so this isn't perfect because you have to have acceleration to measure force, and I had to estimate how long it takes them to get to top speed. But Josh Allen on that run had about 319.6 newtons of force, whereas a bison has 9,000 6.76.6 newtons of force. He says what the Buffalo does at its size is unbelievable. The fact that they can go double as fast, weighing six times as much, is something else. So, look, Josh Allen, 19.3 miles per hour, impressive. But these bison, I'm going to talk about an athlete. Those guys can can really boogie, right? Those guys can scoot. You kidding me? 35 to 40 miles per hour thing weighs 2,200 pounds. Unbelievable. And for the math, whatever the heck a Newton is, I don't know what a Newton force is, but the numbers for the bison were higher than Josh. Uh, We use the calculation of 35 miles per hour and 1600 pounds. So there you go. Uh, Glad we can, we can get to the bottom of that. And we got a whole lot more to get to here today, including some conversation on short yardage play calls, what the Bills are going to do at punter, so be sure to stick with me. But folks, when you're hiring for your small business, you want to be certain that you have as many top-tier candidates as possible to interview, and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. 
LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. And hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Look, LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Well, thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy, and they even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process that much more simple. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Next one here comes from Johnny, who says, Question for you regarding our third and one and fourth and one play calls that don't seem to be very dependable. Seems like the last couple of games we've tried our version of the tush push and it's turned into a tush disaster. Not sure how you feel, but I'm not seeing why Joe Brady has confidence in this play. Seems like there are many other options the Bills could explore to gain this one yard and not have Josh Allen turn into a helicopter on top of our offensive line. All right, so. Let's talk about it because the Bills have had a couple of misses here lately. They missed one against Pittsburgh and, of course, against Miami. Uh, they were stopped on uh, the last tush push. First things first, they're still extremely effective plays. Their conversion percentage is unbelievably high. All right, so that's step one. First of all, let's acknowledge that. I know they've had a couple of instances lately where it hasn't been as effective and maybe even when they got it, you wish it was more convincing. So I understand the question. But still, the overwhelming effectiveness of the play is extremely high. And I can already hear the yelling. You hand the ball off to Ty Johnson, he gets stuffed for minus one, and everyone said, where's the tush push? Right? I, I know how this goes. So that's definitely, like, there's other ways to get a yard. I agree. But I think you're not going to find a, a play that's more effective for getting it. Is it perfect? No. And I understand the question. And there's been some recent examples of where it's fell short. But I think a couple of problems here is, first of all, Josh Allen always goes to his left. And I think everybody knows that. He always goes to his left. And so I think that helps the defense against the tush push. But I do think that there is some more variety needed in short yardage. Where the tush push, yeah, you want to do that and you want to do that a lot. But perhaps some other ways to gain that yard need to be explored including some things off of the tush-push alignment uh, that may catch the defense off guard. So, yeah, I think the wrinkles need to start to come, as you've had a couple of instances here lately of that not working. Aaron has a question here, and I want to lump in everybody who asked about Matt Ariza and what to do about the punting situation if there's anything significant with Sam Mark. Uh, so here we go. About uh, This is what Aaron says. About Tyler Bass's poor performance on Monday, I was at the wild card game against the Steelers, and after Sam Martin seemed to injure his hamstring, they had Tyler Bass out practicing punts during halftime. Shortly after that, he moved to practicing field goals and looked awful. He missed two to three mid-range field goals in a row wide left. Could the punting practice have affected his kicking, either from a mechanics or process standpoint? And then I, I also want to address the the idea that the Bills should give Matt Ariza a call. Um, we'll start with Sam Martin, or excuse me, with Tyler Bass and his struggles. I get a lot of comments, including this past week, where I, I had a tweet on on Twitter uh, about the importance of punting in the NFL, super on brand for me, you know that. And somebody responded and said, look, what you really need is a kicker that can also punt and save a roster spot. That's baloney. That's not a thing. 
That's not a thing because there's too much specialization in what those people have to do. And case in point, what Aaron is sharing with the observation, you can't be an NFL caliber kicker and punter. It's not a thing. Can you fill in in a pinch in a moment to get through a game? Yeah, because you have to. But there's no sustainable success in the modern era of the NFL where a guy is a high-level kicker and punter. It's not a thing. But, yeah, so I think the specialization of those roles take away from one another, and and perhaps that did mess with the mechanics of Tyler Bass, not to mention the field goal that he attempted most recently to having to practice punts was the block field goal. So, yeah, don't kickers are kickers, punters are punters. As for let's – we don't know the extent of Sam Martin in his injury. Uh, we'll learn that more probably today or throughout the course of the week. But as for the idea that the Bills should contact Matt Ariza, um, I have some concerns about that. Matt Ariza has not punted in a long time. He hasn't punted in a game since 2021. He's never punted in an NFL game, and his only experience is a, a few preseason boots back in 2022. He's never punted in an NFL game. He's never held in an NFL game. I just don't think it's the time for that. I don't think you have Matt Ariza come in and in the divisional round against the Kansas City Chiefs when you're trying to go win a Super Bowl, you ask a guy to come in and do something he's never been able to do in his life while there's people in the world that have done it, right? I'm going to lean into the people who have done this before. So I, I call Matt Hawk. That's what I do. I know Matt Hawk's not much of a punter, but he's a, a fair holder and he's done it before. He's punted in playoff games. He's punted in many NFL games. As for Matt Ariza, he absolutely deserves a chance. I just don't know if it's this chance right now in the middle of a playoff run. You want to bring him in for camp and have him battle it out or something? Sure, and he deserves that opportunity. It's a very unfortunate situation. But this doesn't feel like the right move to me to bring in somebody who's never punted in an NFL game that had questions coming out of San Diego State because he was never the holder. Are you really going to put him in that spot with with everything on the line? I think that would kind of be a silly choice. So I, I think the Bills need to not go down that route, and I would call Matt Hawk instead of Matt Ariza, and I hope that Matt Ariza does get a great opportunity to be somebody's punter, even if that's the Bills potentially next season. The next one here comes from Josh. Josh says, looking back at the players this season, who showed the most growth from what you saw at camp and through that, what and through what they did through 18 games, some were thrust into bigger roles, and others knew they had to step up from the start. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Love the pot and go Bills. Thank you so much, Josh. So when I think about the players that, of course, I spent a, a week at training camp studying these players, and then of course the, throughout the course of the season, guys that have shown me the most growth. Uh, I think five come to mind. One of them being Osiris Torrance. If you remember, Osiris Torrance. Um, rotated all throughout training camp with Ryan Bates at guard. And, you know, he didn't even get all the reps. And he winds up winning the job and playing every single snap this season. I know there's been some bumps in the road. That's expected. He's a rookie. And it's a long season. He's playing way more football than he ever has this year. There's a lot of challenges there. But for him to be able to go from, I don't know, maybe you'll be the starter to, yeah, you're going to play every single snap and being part of what I think has collectively been an outstanding offensive line, yeah, hat tip to Osiris Torrance. James Cook, another player that I think has demonstrated a ton of growth, not just year over year, but throughout the course of this season, throughout the 
you know, going back to training camp to now, I think there's been so much more on his plate than I ever imagined. And he's absolutely delivered top six in the NFL this year in yards from scrimmage. Ty Johnson, I think, deserves a shout out. He was signed in July. Um, and so he was kind of an afterthought for the league. And he's on the Bills, doesn't initially make the roster, spend some time on the practice squad. Before you know it, you know, he right now he's RB2, right? He's getting the touches after James Cook. And I think that in-season growth has been terrific. And then you have to point out Tyrell Dotson and Terrell Bernard. Um, they were battling for the starting Mike job, and myself included, greatly concerned about either of them having to be that guy. Well, Terrell Bernard is that guy, and he's phenomenal. And Tyrell Dotson wind up having to be the Milano replacement and has done an admirable job. Those two guys, unbelievable in terms of, yeah, I don't know if these guys can play and not be liabilities to, yeah, I think these guys are good starters, right? So I think they deserve a lot of uh, a lot of attention there. So Cyrus Torrance, James Cook, Ty Johnson, Tyrell Dotson, Terrell Bernard are the standouts there for me. All right, we got more to get to here, including Khalil Shakir's ceiling. Uh, I got some thoughts on George Pickens as well I'm going to share. So be sure to stick with me. But folks, the NFL playoffs are here, and there's still plenty of time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now new customers can get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. I love the app. It's super easy to navigate and so many different ways to bet like a live same-game parlay. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub and more. They've got, of course, the spreads, the over-unders, uh, all of it. The player props, they're all there for you. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Folks, I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of life, but can we talk about being prepared for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics, and I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if a loved one of mine uh, needed some medication and couldn't get it due to a supply chain issue. Well, thankfully, Jace Medical is here for you. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial inf- illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, skin infections, and more. And look, this stuff can happen to anyone. So be sure to visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will then be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. All right, the next one here comes from Kevin. Kevin says, what do you think Khalil Shakir, excuse me, what do you think Khalil Shakir's ceiling is? Watching the Lions and Rams game and couldn't help but think of watching Puka Nakua and Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah, I'm a big Khalil Shakir fan. If you guys have been listening to this podcast, you know that. Uh, when the Bills drafted him, I was really, really excited. Uh, my favorite pick, I think I said, of that entire draft. And a lot of my commentary last year about the draft and a lot of hope that the Bills would draft a wide receiver was rooted in, yeah, I like this Khalil Shakir guy. I think he's better than a lot of the prospects that you guys are bringing up as players the Bills should draft in the first or the second round. And so going back to my scouting report on Khalil Shakir coming out of Boise State, he was the number 64 player on my board, um, and he wound up going in the fifth round. And so some of my comments about his skill set, and I said this all on that podcast after the Bills drafted him. Uh, so, of course, without any knowledge of what he actually has become in the NFL through two seasons. 
I had his strengths down as route running and body control, deceptive route runner that's fluid in and out of breaks. He never tips his routes. Said he had terrific hands. He's confident in how he catches the football away from his frame. Makes some insane adjustments to the football. I love his toughness. He's interchangeable and can play inside and outside, both in the slot and on the perimeter. And I mentioned that he has a punt return upside. My concerns were that he has short arms and a limited catch radius. And I said that he's a guy that can win down the field, but isn't a pure speed, take the top off the defense guy. And then I have this section. How do I feel? I wrote down four things. Probably my favorite pick. I love his route running and versatility. I love how competitive he is. And he has big time intangibles and a football character guy. He's a process guy through and through. And then my last comment was, what's his perfect role or projecting his role and impact? And I said, he's the perfect fit and could potentially be the featured slot receiver in 2023. I don't always get him right, folks, but I got this one right. And I'm very excited about Kaloshik here. I think he should be an 80 target a year guy for this offense, and he should be a top four option. I think moving forward, the Bills' top options in the passing game should be Stephon Diggs, Dalton Kincaid, a new wide receiver that is drafted, hopefully in the first, second, third round, and Khalil Shakir. And then, of course, you sprinkle in James Cook and Dawson Knox and those types of guys. But, yeah, I think he can be a top four weapon in this passing game and a good one. The efficiency he's had this season has been unbelievable. 42 catches on 48 targets. The efficiency is off the charts, and I'm eager for more and more and more and more Khalil Shakir and for him to be a real staple of this operation for a long time. Uh, The next one comes from James. James says, in light of George Pickens losing his mind over the refs yesterday and Mahomes' history of losing his mind when a call doesn't go his way, especially against the Bills earlier this year, how big a factor could some referee home cooking be for the Bills on Sunday? Yeah, I think it's certainly helpful. And I think it's just generally helpful that the Bills are at home. Uh, I found an account recently that I really like on Twitter. Uh, name is Adam. You can follow Adam on Twitter at sharp indispensable. And so the way that that handle goes is the at symbol and then S H A R P N D P E N S E L tweeted this out. I think on Tuesday, he said home field advantage has been huge for the chiefs past defense in 2023. On average, they give up an additional 10.8 expected points per 60 plays on the road versus at Arrowhead. That's a big deal, right? And so we get to bring them to Highmark Stadium and present a whole new world of challenges for Kansas City in the playoffs that they've not had to deal with. I think it's a great advantage. Um, And it's nice to know that the metrics support that they're not as strong on the road compared to at home. As for George Pickens, um, if you missed it, he was pretty outspoken about the referees in the game against the Bills. And I don't know, he, he, sounded, he sounded like a complete, he was very whiny, very, very whiny. And I have a great source at Georgia, a great source. And they told me pre-draft that George Pickens was the least favorite person they've ever had be on that football team at Georgia. And that that's a long that's a long list of people. 
and some real interesting characters that have come through Georgia. And my source said this was the worst teammate that's ever come through the campus. And if you remember, I spoke very direct during the buildup to the draft that George Pickens was in that I didn't think that he was going to be our target for the Bills. And for him to fumble in that game and then respond like he did checks out for who I've been told George Pickens is. Referees weren't a problem in that game. The only problem they had was not correctly identifying that Baylen Specter recovered that fumble. You can miss me with any George Pickens hype. I not a fan. Not a fan. Cool body control and make some fun catches, but one of those guys that you can miss me with him being somebody I'd want to have in my football team. And that that demeanor, that post game demeanor and character that he demonstrated is exactly why. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. Next up, the All-22 Review. Looking forward to that. Um, And I hope that you'll be even more involved with the All-22 Review. I know a lot of people look forward to the episodes, but we also do in our Discord channel, uh, we do the film clips. And so as soon as I get done with this podcast, I'm actually going to get into the tape and start putting film clips into our Discord channel. Uh, where I'll do you know voiceover analysis and share things with everybody. If you'd like to be part of that, it comes courtesy of a subscription to our subtext community. There's a link in today's show notes to join. And so our subtext community gives you a lot of different things. Uh, we do one-on-one text messaging. So if you have a question about the bills or want to talk football, you can send me a text message. I'm only a text message away. You also get my first reaction to all major bills news. You get my in-game text. So when the bills are playing the Chiefs on Sunday, I send out uh, analysis after every single drive, let you know what I'm thinking, how I'm feeling. Uh, but you also get access to our Discord channel where we have like 500 Bills fans in there. We talk Bills, Sabres. Um, it's like a community type thing where there's different channels where you could talk about different topics. And one of those channels is the film clips. And so um, I'll probably put anywhere from 20 to 50 different clips in there. Um, as I'm watching the tape, things that stand out to me, I share it with everybody. And it's a great compliment to the All-22 Review episodes uh, that we do here. So if you'd like to be part of that, there's a link in today's show notes that you can click on and join. Uh, If you're international, and I know there's a lot of you out there, unfortunately, Subtax is not available for the international audience. If you'd like to be part of our Discord channel, I have that available for you, uh, just like it would be for the Subtax people. Uh, Send me an email, joemarino65 at gmail.com. Send me an email, I'll get you the information to join the Discord component, even if you can't be part of the subtext. All right, so that's coming up next, and then we'll start really focusing in on this matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs with our crossover preview and all the stuff that we normally do. So don't miss anything. Make sure that you're subscribed. Would love it if you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. Join the subtext. Go Bills, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.